Hi everyone, my name is Gabriel and this is the Hour of the Raven, your channel for everything Ravenloft, RPG, Dungeons and Dragons and Horror. Today we will unravel lots of secrets and dark pasts, from his glory days in Solomnia to his curse and disgrace as a death knight. But first, a warning. Lord Soth is one of the most iconic characters in Dungeons and Dragons, and features in several novels, adventures and supplements, and this video may contain spoilers about these products. Are you ready? Then listen to the agonizing laments of the Banshees of Nedagard Keep, and let us unveil what is hidden below the ancient solemnic armor, covered with roses and blackened by the flames. I died slowly in unbearable agony. When death finally came, it brought no relief. For I closed my eyes only to open them again, looking into a world of emptiness and bleak despair and eternal torment. Night after night, for endless years, I have sat upon this throne and listened to those elven specters sing my story. But that ended. It ended with you, Kitiara. Lotsov was for many years the Dark Lord of the Domain of Sitigus in Ravenloft, but his past and origin are linked to the distant world of Green and the setting of Dragonlance. One of the most iconic villains of Dungeons and Dragons, Lord Soth was created by Tracy Hickman and Margaret Wise, and appeared for the first time in the famous novels of the Dragonlance Chronicles series. Lord Soth is a Death Knight, a powerful warrior who has fallen from grace, becoming an undead horror for his evil deeds. The Death Knight is a classic creature from Dungeons and Dragons, and its origins go back to 1981 Fendfolio but Lord Soth is the most famous among these undead creatures. The tragic figure of a fallen knight and of Lord Soth is inspired directly from the source tales of chivalry, and his green-black armor with red and spectral eyes is also inspired by the figure of the ring raids from the Lord of the Rings. His tall, imposing and dark figure with a deep voice also gives a presence in scenes similar to the impact caused by Darth Vader in Star Wars. Lord Soth is 6.5 feet tall, and he is even taller and more imposing when wearing his full Solemic Knight armor. While alive, Lord Lawrence Soth was a charismatic and assertive man who attracted many followers. He had long hair around his shoulders, and his face was marked by a large moustache the traditional style adopted by many knights of the ancient Solomnia. When in battle, he proudly wore his custom-made knight armor, decorated with rose carvings, the symbol of his cavalry order. After he becomes a death knight, his armor was blackened, scorched by the flames that burned his keep, and only a few details of his ornate armor weren't completely melted by the heat. His nickname of Black Rose is derived from the symbol of the rose that can still be seen on his ruined armor. 
On his back, he wears a purple cloak, and a large helmet covers his entire face, adorned with a tassel with wards of black hair, and only a small visor where his red eyes can be seen. Beneath his black armor, Lord Soth is both a specter and an animated corpse. His body is skeletal and covered with rotten skin, darkened by burns, but in some parts it's possible to see the translucent shape of his macabre specter, which overlaps his material corpse. His voice is deep, throaty and cavernous, as if emerging from the depths of the abyss itself. His dark appearance reflects his evil nature and his grave crimes and sins. Lord Soth has an intense hatred for all that is alive, but he keeps remnants of his proud past as a knight of Solomnia, who swore to live by the oath and measure. He always tries to fight honorably, never attacking treacherously or facing an unarmed opponent. Lord Soth rides on a nightmare an evil mount that serves the Death Knight wishes. Those who approach the infamous Death Knight feel a powerful aura of dread, capable of making even a candor to known fear. In combat, he uses a magically enchanted black sword that makes his cuts deep and his victims bleed profusely. In addition to being a skilled combatant, Lord Soth also has numerous mystical gifts that make him almost unbeatable. He has a strong resistance to magic, and some magic users have already reported that some spells cast against the knight might even turn back against the casters. Once a day, he can utter a power word and can order an enemy to simply die by his command. His red eyes can easily identify spells and invisibility he can cast various magical abilities, as if he was a powerful spellcaster. Report says that the Death Knight can even launch a powerful fireball of great power, with intense and destructive flames, such as those that devastated his body in the ancient past. Lotsov cannot be driven away by the power of fate, and he can control inferior undead. While in Ravenloft, he can travel through any shadow to emerge anywhere in his domain, and can never be truly destroyed. In the impossible chance of being defeated in combat, his body would become a mist and dissipate, and would reform inside Nedagard Keep a few days later. When he was the Dark Lord of Sirius, Lord Soth could close the border of his domain whenever he wished. To do so, he would only need to hum the infamous songs he hears from the Banshees, night after night, with the litany of his crimes. Soon his voice would then be joined by that of other sinners of Sidicus, and the voices would be heard in a deafening manner by those who dared to try to escape the borders of the domain. These poor souls would be stricken by madness, and would eventually return to Sidicus. But what made the proud and powerful knight of Solamia, Lord Lawrence Soth, to fall into such a disgrace and become this macabre and dark horror? The story of this Solemnic knight is a tale of love, honor, tragedy and death, which impacted the entire world of Green. Lord Lawrence Soth 
came from a traditional Solemnic family. Although not of noble origins, the Sots served the Knights of Solemnia for many years, until one day they received the province of Nightland for their services. Although his father, Ankel Soth, never became a knight, many of his uncles and cousins had joined the Order of Knights of Solomnia, but had met death early in their adventures. Lord Soth entered the Order of the Knights of Solomnia at a very young age, and quickly ascended to the Orders of the Sword and the Crown, and finally entered the Noble Order of the Rose. Among his feats of honor and glory, was the rescue of two knights that were held hostage by a band of ogres to the south of Ergot, defeating alone a band of four ogres and a minotaur, who attacked a group of pilgrims traveling to Istar, having rescued one child of a burning cabin, and having defended the honor of Lady Wandra in combat, after unfair accusations about her virtues. Lord Soft's charisma and skill made him a rising personality and a natural-born leader of a loyal group of knights. The young Lawrence Soth longed for a glorious destiny and refuted the life and vices led by his father, whose rumors pointed out as a philander and womanizer. Despite pretending to live a virtuous life, Lord Soth's dark ambition had already emerged from early age. Fearful that his inheritance of his father's lands would be challenged, he asked Caradoc, his most faithful companion, to murder two bastard brothers, the fruit of his father's immoral adventures. These odious acts brought Salt and Caradoc together as accomplices, but Lawrence Soth saw such acts as unnecessary evil to cleanse any taint from his family name and to enable him to reach the highest order of cavalry. Upon becoming Knight of the Rose, Lord Soth received the government of the lands of Nightlone from his father. For years, he had dedicated himself to completing the audacious project of building the Dagard Keep, a fortress that was a true architectural marvel, designed so that its walls, battlements and towers former the design of a rose, built with a type of granite known as the bloodstone for its pink and reddish color. The fortress was Nightlund's jewel and a tribute to all the knights of Solamia who had lost their lives in defense of goodness and justice. This magnificent building had drained the Sots family coffers, and the marriage to Lady Corinne Gladria, the beautiful daughter of a rich nobleman from Palantas, would help the knight to reestablish his land's economies and ascend socially, as well as establish dominion over several lands adjacent to his provinces. The marriage was celebrated by all Solomnia as the perfect couple, the beautiful maiden Corinne and the valiant and noble knight Lord Lawrence Soth. The charismatic knight previously lived a life of adventure in the company of his valued friends and followers. Upon assuming the government of Nightroom, Lord Soth kept his friends close, but he soon realized that the life of a noble was much more tedious and demanding. The relationship of Soth and Corinne was loving, although he was a little possessive and jealous of his bride. 
Soph believed in his love for Corinne, and he deeply desired a son, an heir to his legacy. Corinne shared this longing, but despite the couple's desire, the years passed without Corinne being able to bear a child, and soon Soph's frustration became apparent. Soph also longed for a break from the routine of his life in the keep, and took every opportunity to go on expeditions with his companions. On a trip, he and his companions heard screams from the woods, and soon set out to investigate. The knights found a band of ogres, who had attacked a sacred pilgrimage mission of elven maidens devoted to Paladin, and set out to fight them. Lord Soth and his knights managed to defeat the band of ogres, and Soth went in pursuit of some ogres who were on the run with some of their captured victims. After defeating all his enemies, Soth found the beautiful and unconscious Isolde Denisa, an elf of incomparable beauty. Despite the fact that Isolde had only a twisted heel, Lord Soth scooped the faint Isolde in his arms and was immediately attracted by the elven maiden. On impulse, he ordered his cavalry companions to escort the pilgrim to the city of Palantas, where the maidens would make their vows to the god Paladine, but announced that he would return to Dagat Keep with his old, as she needed urgent medical attention. Despite the distrust of Osla, the elf elder priestess, who oversaw the expedition, Lord Soth gave his word and honor that no harm would befall young Zold, and left alone with her for Dagad. On the way back, Zold woke up, and riding together on the same horse, they got to know each other better. The young and innocent Zold was very grateful to Lord Soth for saving her life and could hardly hide her admiration and enchantment for the Valiant Knight. In the traveling days that separated them from Dagat Keep, the passion and desire end up being stronger than Lord Lawrence's soft vows to Corinne, and soft and his old kisses. The journey came to an end, however, and upon reaching the castle, Lord Soft quickly ordered his old to be taken to the infirmary and instructed the castle healer, Istvan, to take care of her internal injuries, implying that the healer should not contradict his words and confirm the knight's statements. Lady Corinne was jealous of the young elf, but how could she doubt the virtue of her husband, the most noble and honorable knight of the Rose, Lord Soth? However, she felt her husband's frustration at the lack of an heir, and she felt him becoming more distant and colder each day. Lord Soth began to visit Isolde secretly, first looking for a friendly shoulder to talk about his marital problems and desire for an heir, but soon their conversations became a lover's meeting. Rumors began to circulate around the castle which became even stronger when Isolde refused to return to her homeland and continue her journey with the pilgrim maidens, who passed on Dagat Keep on their return journey. Desperate and overcomed by doubt, Lady Corinne thought that conceiving a child could save her marriage 
and resorted to drastic means. When Sof was away on a trip, she sought help from a witch who lived in the mountains and asked for help to get pregnant of her husband. The witch warned Corinne that this was a dangerous dark magic and that the success of the spell would depend on her husband's virtue. Believing that Lord Sof was a kind and just man, she accepted the proposal and was fertilized by black magic. The news of Corinne's pregnancy was a cause for celebration. Isolde realized that it was time for her to leave Dagard Keep. However, Lord Soth insisted with Isolde, who eventually gave in to his requests and remained in the castle as his mistress. The months passed and Lord Soth kept his secret meetings with Isolde. When Lady Corinne was close to giving birth, Isolde revealed that she was also pregnant with the son of Lord Soth, making their situation even more delicate. Lord Soth realized that despite despising his father, he had made the same mistakes and sins that he did. The knight did not have time to think about his mistakes, as his wife Corinne had begun a hard childbirth. The lady of Dagat Keep screamed in pain and agony, while Stephen, the healer, tried to bring the child into the world. When the birth was finally completed, the child who came into the world was a deformed and bestial abomination. Soph rejected the child, saying that this monster could only be the result of Lady Corinne's infidelity. His wife, wounded by the accusations, revealed that the child was conceived by witchcraft, but accused Soph's own black soul for having generated a deformed and demonic child. Soph was overcome with anger, shame and madness, and with a sword, he brutally murdered Corinne and their son. Caradoc, his faithful seneschal, kept Istvan, the healer, outside the room. When Soph left the room, bathed in blood, he imposed on Caradoc and Istvan his version of the facts, in which, unfortunately, Lady Corinne and her son had perished during childbirth. Assuring his vessel's consent, he then ordered Caradoc to get rid of the mutilated bodies. A quick funeral was organized, and the bodies were cremated despite the protest from Corinne's family. Although tormented by his actions, Lord Soth found solace in the arms of his mistress Isolde, and rumors of his infidelity gained strength. Six months after Corinne's death, Lord Soth married Isolde in a simple ceremony, only in the presence of his fellow knights. At this point, Isolde's pregnancy was already evident, and soon a new heir would arrive at Dagat Keep. His second son's birth was uneventful, and soon Soth held Peradur, his son and heir to his legacy, in his arms. The couple's happiness was threatened by the constant and sinister rumors about the events surrounding Lady Corinne's death. Isolde dismissed the services of one of Lady Corinne's maids 
when she caught her spreading rumors about her husband, and Miriel was banished from Dagat Keep. Upon arriving in Palantas, the handmaid Miriel sought out Lady Corinne's family and told the truth of what she had witnessed, and soon the High Court of Knights of Solamia was notified of the accusations. Lotsov was summoned to the city of Palantas to appear before the court. He was accompanied by his knights, believing it to be a misunderstanding, and was surprised to be taken to the courtroom alone. Miriel, the maid, Osla, the elf priestess who was once the guardian of the maiden Isolde, and the healer Istvan were called to testify, and under the effect of a magic zone of truth, Istvan revealed the truth about Isolde's death. Soth was sentenced to death and would be beheaded in the next morning. His knights, however, would not accept such a sentence. Caradoc convinced the others that Lord Soth was innocent, a victim of an unfair trial for political motives, and they prepared a rescue operation. Soth, humiliated, was dragged the next morning through the streets of Palantas, to the place of his execution, but on the way, his loyal companions rescued him from his captors. On horseback, they started a desperate escape, following through the mountains. After intense persecution, they defeated the Knights of Solamnia, who pursued them, and arrived at Dagat Keep. The keep was sieged, but it would be impossible to reach Lord Soth and his companions inside the keep. So the Knights of Solamia declared Lord Soth and his knights as criminals, who would be hunted and killed if they ever left the interior of the castle. Inside his fortress, Lord Soth was lost in anger, guilt, resentment and shame. Confronted by Isolde and his companions, he hid himself in his own lies and became a shadow of the man he once was. Depressed, he even hit Isolde for insisting on his redemption. Not even his son brought him joy. His wife, however, prayed to the gods day and night so that her husband would have a chance for redemption. In desperation, Soph joined Isolde in prayer and begged the gods for a chance to wipe his name from the stains of his sins. The couple's prayers were answered. Both had a vision in their dreams, and the goddess Mishkal told Isolde how Soth could redeem his sins. He was to proceed to the city of Istar, where he was to confront the king priest in his temple. The king priest would slaughter Soth, where he would rise again, until he finally defeated his enemy. Thus, he would prevent a greater cataclysm, and after such a feat, he would clear his name become a great hero and die, moving on to the next life in peace. The king priest was a man of great power, and based on his vision of intolerant and absolute good, he would perform a powerful ritual to raise to the status of a deity and clear the world of evil. If Sot failed in his missions, the gods would punish the foolishness of the king priest and his followers and send a great cataclysm over Kryn, 
in the form of a mountain of fire, which will change the face of the world forever. Soth meditated a lot about this sacrifice that was required of him, but encouraged by Isolde, he took on the mission. Saying goodbye to his family, he went with his knights to Istar. On his long journey through the mountains, however, he encountered three elven women who buried his path. The elven women were sent to test Lord Soth and began to accuse the knight of his crimes. The murder of his bastard brothers, his infidelity to Corinne, the murder of his wife and son, and his escape from justice. Lord Soth listened with pain to the truth of their words and resisted the provocations, until the elven women questioned his fatherhood about Peradur. The elven ladies claimed that Isolde had slept with all the men in the castle, and that Lady Corinne had only conceived with the help of dark magic, because Soth was infertile. The elves went even further, adding that the prophecy heard by Isolde was a lie, and just a way for her to get rid of Lord Soth the disgraced knight, by sending him to his death, while she slept with all the soldiers left in the castle. The truth of the first accusations were added to the lying provocations, and doubts were sowed in Lord Soft's mind. Overtaken by jealousy and doubt, he attacked and slaughtered the three elven women, who soon took the form of specters. He then abandoned his sacred mission and decided to return to Dagart Keep, where he would confront the infidel and seducer who had led him to fall from grace. Soth rode back to his fortress and entered Dagart Keep in fury. In his great hall, he found Isolde with Peradur in her arms and began to accuse his wife of her infidelity and manipulation. While the couple exchanged accusations, in Istar, a great mountain of fire descended from the sky to annihilate the king-priest and his claim to ascend as a deity. When the cataclysm began, a great tremor shook the fortress, and the huge chandelier in the main hall fell, plummeting over his old. Pinned by the chandelier and beginning to catch fire, his old managed to protect her son Peradur and begged Lord Soth to at least save the child. Lord Soth, however, rejected Peradur. The flames consumed Isolde and Peradur, and the elf cursed Lord Soth. He would die in flames that night, but will live forever in darkness, living a cursed life for every life lost by his failure in this night. As the flame of the cataclysm swept the world, Lord Soth, his knights, and Dagat Keep were consumed by flames. The red stones of Dagat became blackened by the flames, as was Soth's own plate armor, ruined, blackened, and melted in the blazing fires of the cataclysm. Lord Soth became a death knight, a cursed undead. His ruined armor was identified only by the black rose on his chest, and hid his cadaverous body, from which only his eyes, red like flames, could be seen. His loyal knights also became skeletal warriors, 
at his service, and Dagart Keep became a cursed place, haunted by the three benches of the elven women who torment Lord Soth. The lands of Nightland have become known as the Haunted Nightland, and the horror of Lord Soth's existence has become a legend that haunted the population of Green. Three centuries passed, and Lord Soth remained in the darkness of his castle, from which no living man had ever returned. However, the world of Green would once again be threatened by the forces of evil. The goddess of darkness, Tarkisis, planned to conquer the world of Green and invade this world in her divine form. She created and enlisted draconic armies to help her cause and tried to bring Lord Soth to serve her in her great army. Lord Soth refused to serve any god, but Tarkisis insisted on her proposal. Soth then challenged the Dark Queen, saying that he could only serve in her army if one of her dragon high lords voluntarily came to his castle to spend the night with him and survive it. He would then render his services under the command of this dragon high lord. Soft's demands seemed impossible to be fulfilled until the blue lady, Kitiara Utmatar, to win the favors of the goddess Tarkisis and avoid a death penalty for alleged betrayal to Emperor Ariakas, accepted the challenge. The mighty warrior had the courage to enter the Dagart Keep at night and face the guardians and spirits of the Dark Fortress until she reached the throne room. There, she challenged Lord Soft to a duel. Despite being unable to defeat him, Kitiara resisted the Death Knight aura of dread and faced death head-on, without uttering a cry of fear or pain. Lord Soth recognized in Kitiara a strong and determined woman, an indomitable spirit like himself that would never kneel before a higher power. Kitiara arose in Soth admiration and other feelings that he had long considered lost in his dark heart. He decided to spare the life of the unconscious warrior, letting her spend the night in his castle, and then put his own sword at her service. Kitiara made Dagart keep the command center of her army, and Lord Soth was her main ally in the War of the Lance. Together, they captured the elven princess Laurana whose soul would be given as a gift to Lord Soth after her sacrifice to Tarkisis, as a means of revenge against all the elven race that Lord Soth had come to hate intensely after the tragedy with his wife Isolde. In the moment of the sacrifice, however, Tanis, the half-elf, Kitiara's true love, managed to free Laurana and escape from the clutches of Tarkisis' servants. Lord Soth had a chance to kill both fugitives, but was stopped by Kitiara, who let Tennis escape even after the half-elf had rejected her proposal to be a king at her side. After the end of the War of the Lands and the defeat of Tarkisis, Kitiara decided to consolidate her position of power, and together with Lord Soth, she hunted and murdered other dragon high lords 
while she rebuilt her army and consolidated her power. Although he still served Kitiara, Lord Soth began to plot against the Blue Lady. He believed that Kitiara's love for Tannis weakened her and prevented her from reaching her true potential. Thus, he began to plan a way to take her life and soul, making her an undead companion to his immortal existence. When Kitiara discovered that her half-brother, Hastings Majer, had plans to confront and take the place of the goddess of darkness, Darkisis, Lord Soth encouraged Kitiara to attack the city of Palantas, while Raistling was in the abyss battling the Queen of Darkness. In the battle known as the Blue Lady's War, Kitiara commanded her armies and dragons through the air in a flying citadel, while Lord Soth invaded Palantas with his skeletonites, banshees and undead armies on the ground, finally getting revenge against the city that centuries ago had judged and humiliated him. Kitiara advanced to the Tower of High Sorcery, where she battled Dalamad, Racing Majer Apprentice. Tannis, the half-elf, also reached the tower and witnessed when Dalamar mortally wounded Kitiara with a lightning bolt. While she died, Kitiara asked Tannis for help, but Lord Soth emerged from the shadows and claimed her body, preventing others from helping her. After obtaining the body of his beloved Kitiara, Lord Soth abandoned the Battle of Palantas, withdrawing his undead forces from combat and ordering them to return with him to Dagat Keep. As he took Kitiara's body on his horse, Lord Soth ordered Caradoc, his most faithful knight, who was now a spectre, to go to the abyss and retrieve Kitiara's soul. Caradoc was tormented in his undead existence and have been imploring his master to intercede for him with the gods of darkness, to be granted a living body once again, but Lord Soth had been postponing the fulfillment of his promise. When he arrived in the abyss, Caradoc sought and found Kitiara's souls, but decided to gain an advantage over his former master. He imprisoned Kitiara's soul and made a deal with a demon from the abyss. The demon would only return Kitiara's soul if Caradoc returned to the abyss in a living body to ask for it. Upon arriving at Dagat with Kitiara's body, Soth did not find Caradoc and became enraged. When the specter of Caradoc arrived at the fort and reported his demands to Lord Soth, the Death Knight confronted the ghost of the betrayer. While battling, a mist invaded Dagat Keep, and they were taken to the land of the mists, the demiplane of dread. Lord Soth and Caradoc emerged in the forest in Barovia. The fight between the knight and his former Seneschal was interrupted as both were attacked by dozens of undead zombies. Lord Soth defeated the creatures that were attacking him, but the distraction gave Caradoc a chance to escape. Caradoc's spirit sought refuge in Castle Ravenloft, where he asked for the help of Count Strad. The Count received him as a new servant and forced him to tell the story and secrets of Lord Soth. 
lots of wandered, lost in Barovia, until he found a camp of the Vistani, of the Kulchevik family. Sensing his power, the Rauni of the caravan, Madame Girani, received Lord Sof with courtesy and took him inside her valo. Lord Sof extracted some information about the land of the mists and Barovia's ruler, Count Strad, but upon realizing that Madame Girani intended to use mystical means to discover information about his past, Lord Sof became enraged and burned Madame Girani's Vardo, killing the Rauni. Before she died, however, she cursed him, telling Lord Sof that he would never return home, although he would always have his homeland before his eyes. The Vistanis, seeing their Rauni Vardo burn, attacked Lord Sof, who easily killed his enemies. He then decided to kidnap a young Vistani and daughter of Madame Girani to serve as a guide to him in these strange lands and forced her to take him to Castle Ravenloft. On the way to the castle, Lord Soth and Magna witnessed a group of Barovians trying to execute a dwarf for his crimes. The dwarf was Azrael, a were-badger, who managed to get free and kill his captors. Without being impressed, or giving any importance to the dwarf, Sof continued his journey, but Azrael decided to follow him at a distance. Upon arriving at Castle Ravenloft, Lord Sof was received by Count Strad as a guest of honor. To appease Lord Sof's fury, Strad declared that all the Vistanis of the Kuchevik family would lose his protection and be killed. He then lied to Lord Sof, saying that Karadok's spirit was destroyed when he tried to invade his castle. When he was asked about ways to escape from the lands of the mists, he revealed to Lord Sof that the blood of Tukgundar, the Dark Lord of the domain of Gundarak, or the blood of any member of his family were spilled on the soil of his castle, a dark portal would open that leaded out of this plane of existence. Lord Soth did not openly trust Count Strad, and during the day he searched for Magda, and together they escaped the castle. He then seeked information on his own, and ended up following the legends of another mystic portal. On this journey, he realized that he was being followed, and confronted Azrael, the Lycanthrope Dwarf. Azrael offered Lord Soft his services, seeing the Death Knight as an ally of great power, and Lord Soft accepted the services of the Dwarf. They searched for a portal, linked to the legendary Vistani hero named Kulchev, but it turned out to be another dead end. They then decided to head towards Gundarak and explore the information provided by Count Strad. On the way, during a combat with enemies, Magda managed to escape from her captors, and Lord Sof and Azrael went alone to Castle Unadora. They invaded the castle and confronted Duke Gundar and his son, Medraut, a mage imprisoned in a child's body. While Sof was battling Duke Gundar, 
Azrael managed to assassinate Medrod, baiting the floor of the castle with his blood. Duke Gundar decided to flee the combat, and Lord Soth and Azrael entered the portal, but the Mystic Gate only took them back to Barovia. In rage, Soth and Azrael crossed Barovia, devastating everything in their path, until they reached the gates of Castle Ravenloft. There, they began to battle Constrad countless guardians. The Vampire Count, fearing the result of a direct confrontation with the Death Knight, banished Caradoc Spectre from his castle, ordering him to flee his domain. Soth, realizing that Caradoc had not yet been destroyed and was fleeing from his grasp, abandoned his vengeance against Strad and pursued his former Seneschal through Barovia and Gundarak until he reached the edge of the Misty Border, where he destroyed the spirit of his former ally with his own hands. As he committed his act of revenge, the mists enveloped him once again. In the mists, he saw a vision of ancient Solamia and had a chance to repent of his sins, but once again, he rejected redemption and repentance. The mists then parted themselves to reveal Sidicus, a domain where Lord Soth would be the new Dark Lord. Lord Soth discovered that Sidicus was a dark reflection of his lands in Kryn. In the center of the domain, in a great chasm, he found a replica of Dagart Keep, but one that seemed to constantly change as if to irritate and offend Soth's memories. He named it Nedagard Keep and made it his center of power. The domain was inhabited by elves, a race hated by Lord Soth. He started a brutal government and with the help of Azrael, he imposed his tyranny on his domain. A group of wild elves tried to resist his rule and Citicus entered in a terrible civil war. After decades of conflict, however, Lord Soth seemed to lose himself in his own memories and thoughts, and became isolated in his keep, when a caravan of Istanis, known as the Wanderers, entered Sitikus, Lord Soth went to meet their leader, Magda Kuchevik, the Vistani he had kidnapped when he arrived in Barovia decades ago. They made a pact in which the Black Rose offered protection to the Wanderers while they were in Sidicus, in exchange for the silence of Magda Kuchevik and her caravan regarding Lord Soth's pasts and secrets. Lord Soth's seclusion increased when he captured Master Tindalfalus, a powerful illusionist, and demanded that he created for him the memory mirrors, magical artifacts capable of enchanting their observers and lead them to relieve false memories of their pasts. The Black Rose became obsessed with these mirrors, where he glimpsed alternative versions of his past, from versions in which the knight did not fall from grace, to versions in which he, even becoming a death knight, achieved his cruelest desires and revenge. While Lord Soth was in this catatonic state, Sitikus was devastated, with the borders closed by the Song of Madness and the very memory of its inhabitants beginning to fail. A group of adventurers 
invaded Nedergard Keep and disrupted lots of false memories, breaking most of the magic mirrors and freeing lots of from the enchantment. After waking from his dreaming state, Lord Soth continued to show very little interest in Sirikus. The only thing that seemed to attract his attention was the identity of the mysterious leader of the Wild Elves, the White Rose. Lord Soth believed that the enemy's true identity was Kitiara, and that the mist and dark powers had drawn her soul into this world to torment him, and he longed to found the Blue Lady once again. While Lord Soth was lost in this quest, Azrael Dak, his seneschal, was gradually turning against his master. He had stopped seeing Lord Soth as a mighty warrior, able to defy the gods. To see his master as a weak mind, lost in the memories of his past. The dwarf had found the Black Chapel and the Lake of Sounds, deep in the south mines of Vaidrava and has started to listen to the secrets whispered by the shadows of Sidicus that promised him a future of glory and power. Azrael plotted against his master and made a double game of shady alliances. He made a secret alliance with Malokyuadere to overthrow Lord Soth and take the power. In return, he promised to hand to Malokyu the Wanderers a Vistani caravan protected by Lord Soth had escaped the Dukar's termination program. The ironical ruler of Nvidia began to make small attacks on the Sidican border to attract Lord Soth's attention to the defense of his domain. Azrael had also negotiated with Inza Kuchevi, the doctor of Magda, the leader of the Wanderers. The evil Inza intended to take control of the Wanderers and had already made nefarious deals with the dwarf in the past. As payment for a trade deal, a box of salt taken from the Vaidrava mines, but which were contaminated by the dangerous salt shadows. Inza sabotaged Kuchev Kurjo, her mother's magic weapon, and as the night fall, opened the box of salt, releasing the salt shadows. The shadows attacked and devastated the wanderers, and Magda, using her cudgel, tried to ward them off, but her weapon shattered. Just before she died, she called out to Lord Soth, and the Death Knight kept his promise of protection, emerging from the darkness to destroy the South Shadows. Although Inza and some Vistanis escaped death, Magda did not resist. Before she died, however, she thanked Lord Soth for keeping his promises, and handed him a white rosebud. In her last words, Magda asked Lord Soth to extend his protection to Inza, her doctor, and lift the curse that her mother, Madame Girani, had cast on him in the past. At this moment, a white moon appeared in the skies of Sitikus, which the elven people called Solinari. While a series of disturbances seemed to plague Sitikus, Azrael was preparing for a ritual in the salt mines of Eidrava, which would give him control over the shadows of Sitikus and make him the new Dark Lord of the realm. Meanwhile, the White Rose and her allies planned rituals 
to bring the world of green closer to this misty prison and to bring the red moon of Lunitari to the skies of Sidicus. When the red light of Lunitari shone again over the skies of Sidicus, the troops from Invidia invaded the domain and marched against Nedagard Keep. Lord Soth commanded his knights, benches and undead armies to defend his fortress. The evil Inza willingly led the wanderer's caravan to danger, putting them in the path of Invidia's troops, just to attract Lord Soth's attention. While her own people were slaughtered, she cried out for the Death Knight's help, and Lord Soth appeared to fulfill the oath made to Magda. Lord Soth defeated Invidia's groups of attackers, but only Inza and three other members of her caravan survived. Inza asked Soth for protection from the terrible events that would take place in Sitikus, and the Lord Soth transported her through the shadows to Nedegard Keep. There, Inza revealed to Lord Soth that while he was defending his fortress, Azrael was preparing to usurp his power in an evil ritual. Soth left for the Vedrava salt mines, where he intended to prevent Azrael to cause a cataclysm in Sidicus, sucking the shadows of all its inhabitants. When he left the keep, Inza created mystical barriers to protect herself inside Nedagard, and to prevent Lord Soth and his undead minions to enter. Lord Soth's journey to the Vedrava salt mines who had saved Sidicus from destruction, but the three benches that served Lord Soth appeared to him to reveal the treacherous acts of Inza. As was in his past, seized by fury, Lord Soth abandoned his quest to prevent Azrael's ritual and returned to Nedegar Keep. His failure to prevent a new cataclysm, however, caused the event known as the Hour of Screaming Shadows when the shadows of the inhabitants of Sidicus were swallowed to the Vedrava salt mines. Thanks to the action of the adventurer Ganelon, Azrael's ritual was prevented at the last minute. All the shadows of Sidicus gathered in the large black sphere that floated over Nedagar Keep. Of the dark sphere of shadows plummeted over the keep burning with black flames the fortress and the armies battling on its surroundings. In the main hall of the castle, Lord Soth was preparing to assassinate the treacherous Vistani Inza when ancient spirits from his past paid him a visit. The White Rose, leader of the Wild Elves, revealed herself as the spirit of Isolde Denisa, his elven wife. Along with Isolde, by the specters of the Whispering Beast and the Bloody Cobbler, which merged into one creature, revealing to be fragments of the soul of his son Peridor, killed in his mother's arms in the Cataclysm of Green. Inza took advantage of the distraction to escape from Lord Soth. As Nedragad burned, Lord Soth confronted his wife Isolde once again with her infant son in her arms and was seized by the whole memories of his past. Soth turned his back to his old, ignoring the torment imposed to him by the dark powers. Absolved from Madame Girani's curse, 
another powerful and older curse, claimed lots of fate, and the Knight of the Black Rose left his prison in the mists to return to his homeland in Kryn. Once more in Kryn, Soth returned to the haunted Dagat Keep, and rumors of his return circulated Anselon again. Lord Soth remained in his cursed castle, isolated from the world. For centuries, the Spectre of the Black Rose meditated about his past, mistakes and sins, and the haunted Dagad Keep had remained a cursed place to be avoided. When the War of the Souls started, Mina, the prophet of the One God, searched for Lord Soth in Nightland to offer him command of the undead forces of her army. Lord Soth, however, had already reflected on his existence and realized the gravity of his sins, accepting full responsibility for his actions. The offerings of Tarkisis, the goddess of darkness, no longer tempted him, nor did he guide his actions by the hatred that used to consume him. Tarkisis' threats mean nothing to him, as soft desire death and eternal rest. To threaten and punish him, the Dark Queen turned Lord Soth back into a mortal, so that he could once again fear his final destruction and death, but she ended up giving him just what he most wanted. By killing Lord Lawrence Soth in the ruins of Dagat Keep for, for his refusal, she finally put an end to his curse, giving Soth a final rest for his soul. Lord Soth is one of the most iconic villains in the Dungeons and Dragons universe, and his story is an epic tale of chivalry, honor, love, tragedy, fall, and redemption. He is one of the few characters to deeply mark two major Dungeons and Dragons settings, being an important figure both through Dragonlance and through Ravenloft. Despite being a great fan of both settings, I believe that the treatment given by the Dragonlance setting to the character after his return from Ravenloft was a wasted opportunity. The authors of the Dragonlance setting and novels seem resentful of Lord Soth's passage to Ravenloft and consider that such period in the Lands of the Mists never existed in the Dragonlance timeline. Although I am a huge fan of the Spectre of the Black Rose novel, the reasons why the Dark Powers had given up on Lord Soth as Dark Lord and Prisoner are never clearly explained, and it seems to me that his release from the domain of Dread had taken into account intellectual property rights, since the Ravenloft setting would soon be licensed for publication by another company, and he originally belonged to the Dragonlance setting, and so was not included in this transition. The Knight Final Redemption in Dragonlance is an appropriate closure to his narrative arc. However, if you still intend to remain faithful to the official timeline of the Ravenloft campaign setting, and plan to use Lord Soth in your adventures in Ravenloft, a good opportunity would be to use the figure of the Blessed Knight, a illusory mirror reflection of the young Lord Lawrence Soth, who escaped from the memory mirrors in Nedagat Keep. Perhaps this illusory reflection of Lord Soth could be a hero in the demiplane of Dread, 
and face the evil trap of Inza Kuchevic. Or perhaps he is destined to repeat the mistakes of his original image and become once more a death knight corrupted by the shadows of Sirius. As we listen to the wailings and tales of the benches of Nedergaard Keep, a great darkness seems to envelop us. We are surrounded by the evil presence of Inza Kulchevik, the evil shadows of Sirikos. Join us, enable notifications, and subscribe to this channel as we shall unveil what lurks in the darkness and reveal the dark secrets of Inza Kulchevik the new Dark Lord of Sirius.